Bring out Elizabeth Selwyn. The tortured souls cried out in agony as the flames mounted higher and higher. Burn, witch, burn, witch, burn, burn, burn. Those I've said and is known today in the actual practice of witchcraft in the 17th century. Um, you know, Showtime, early Showtime and HBO from 1982, 81, somewhere around there that it kind of got me hooked because I remember before that, you know, you really, if it wasn't on TV, you couldn't watch it. And, you know, that's why I was still exposed to the old Corman films, um, the Vincent Price movies, you know, the Edgar Allan Poe stuff. That was always a huge influence on me, too. But when we got we moved out of Brooklyn and moved to Long Island, it kind of set the stage because we had cable. And I was a young kid. I was like 12, I think. And when everyone went to bed, I would sneak out of my bedroom and put the TV on real low. And I was exposed to so much sex and violence. <laughs> you know, it, it you would permanently twisted your. To, <laughs> uh, this, you know, some senators. I'm I'm supposed to be a serial killer, but actually I'm not. So I'm pretty well adjusted, according to mm. um, you know, at least that's what my therapist tells me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've seen so many movies. Most of, I mean, even just the Emmanuel films that I still consider, um, you know, genre films. But uh, you know, exploitation movies abounded in the early '80s on uh, on cable. I mean, they needed time fillers, and that's what was available at a cheap rate. And uh, see, unf- thank God for that, <laughs> man, because that's really that's really what um, inspired me. You know, unfortunately, man, I couldn't watch too many of those movies because I had younger brothers and sisters, and so yeah. Um, oh, I did too. I just didn't care. <laughs> it's and like I said, I had to wait for everyone to be. Uh, asleep yeah, I <laughs> because I was like, you know, I couldn't watch it, and I knew, yeah. you know, my mom and dad really weren't going to let me watch it, and. Those those movies weren't on daytime or even early evening programming. I knew those movies were only going to show up, you know, like um, Skinamax mm. later on that came on with a lot of softcore movies. Right. You know, the, the, that was kind of their niche, whereas HBO and Showtime, they were showing movies like... You know, those exploitation films that I know and love, like one of those that we're going to talk about today, which I probably saw in 1983. Yeah. Um, 1990, The Bronx Warriors by Enzo Castellari. Dardano Sacchetti wrote the screenplay. Sacchetti, as many people might know, um, you know, is a big name and so is Castellari. If anyone's familiar with Enzo Castellari, and maybe you're not, which you should. Um, yeah, I mean, even if you want to, uh, if you've seen the movie The Inglorious Bastards, that is a direct ripoff title of Enzo Castellari's Inglorious Bastards from 1977. Um, Quentin Tarantino is a big Castellari fan, and um, I love the fact that he does support a lot of these um, Italian directors because they deserve it. Um, the, um, the Last Shark, then there's the... Uh, 1990 the bronx warriors the new barbarians escape from the from the bronx is also another one um you know obviously a john carpenter ripoff they were they were riffing on escape from new york 
and uh, but there's also elements of you know, of what I take as um, you know the road warrior and this whole post-apocalyptic um, cinema. Um, really, when I was a kid, I couldn't get enough of it, and so. If it was apocalyptic, if it showed cities in ruins and after a nuclear holocaust and people were trying to survive in the wasteland, I was all over that movie. And uh, so that this was definitely um, a film that I remember fondly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I hadn't heard of this one in particular, 1990. <laughs> um, I know that, you know... I know back in the day they did release a lot of those movies um, that were, you know, uh, influenced, I guess you could say, by uh, Escape from New York, uh, Road Warrior, all that. But uh, this one I hadn't heard of. Um, uh, definitely The Warriors, you know, uh, definitely influenced by The Warriors. And uh, yeah, absolutely. yeah, um, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. It was um... all right. So. So tell me your first impressions of this film, because for you to tell, when you told me I've never seen this film, I was like, dude, get on this now, because I've seen this movie probably, you know, 10 times over the years. (laughs) And, you know, Fred Williamson's in it, Christopher Connolly, and obviously the late, great Vic Morrow, who has done so much. I mean, he was, he was awesome. So, um, and obviously Mark Gregory starring as Trash, Mark Gregory also in uh, Escape from the Bronx and a bunch of other fine Italian films. Um, yes. So. Uh, yeah. Um, I, all right. I've seen like, I've seen movies that are so bad it's good, you know, like, uh, Plan 9, uh, The Room, you know, um, Oh, I still have Yeah, oh, that. The Room was great, man. So, so wonderfully awful, um, you know. And, but this one, man, I was looking for some redeeming qualities, man. I was like, oh, my God, this is just, I, I was, it was, it was torturous, dude. It was, it was totally, torturous. oh, dude, dude, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, man, I, I didn't know what to make of it, like, you know, it, it was like there was this story going on and they had they would spend so much time talking about what was going on. And I still had no idea what the hell was happening. You know, it and because it, it was just don't rely so much on dialogue, you know, in a movie like that, you know, just throw in as many action scenes as you can. And they didn't. And so I was just like, oh, no, Lenny, what have you done to me, man? I'm hurting, do- I'm hurting, dog. I've, I've exposed you <laughs> to some excellent yeah. genre uh, cinema. So, when you read this, in a post-apocalyptic New York City, a policeman infiltrates the Bronx, which has become a battleground for several murderous street gangs. I mean, you you get what you're what you're paying for. Yeah, I, I, uh, it's. I mean. I, Riding horseback at the end of the yeah. film in in this black, you know, fascist armor. Mm. They have these massive tanks on their back with flamethrowers yeah. running through the Bronx, incinerating uh, the gangs that are trying to unite against, you know, this uh, the corporation. New York City is is run like a uh, as a corporation, and uh, it's 
It's very twisted and bleak and really low budget future. And I, I enjoy it. Does it feel a little long? It does. There are times where it's running a little slowly, but, you know, it's not a perfect film, but it is It, it is needed a lot, like, all right, for, for that type of movie, it needed a lot more gore and, and violence and fight scenes and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, there was just too much dialogue where, you know, they, they were talking about this and that, and it's like, all right, come on, get on with it, you know? So if you're going to do this type of movie where it's like all, you know, super low budget and and whatever, then you got to throw in a shit ton of gore, man. You need just violence and heads being ripped off, like, just from from beginning to end, you know? That's why. And I was just like, yo, come on. It just got to a point where certain parts I was like, all right, this is like really killing me, man. Um... And then, and then, all right, so it's supposed to be, like, post-apocalyptic. And, and they chose some really good scenes, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, good locations to, to film, you know, where, where it really did look post-apocalyptic or, or not. Uh, it looked more um, like a section of a, a, a dystopian society, right, where people were, uh, you know, housed in and walled in to this part of the Bronx or whatever it was, right? But then there were scenes where the camera would pan out, right? And you see cars driving in the background, and you you kind of... Yeah, but that's over the river in Manhattan where life is great. Yeah, but it just didn't... It felt like... It things things are okay. I know what you're saying. It doesn't feel as post-apocalyptic, but the Bronx and other locations are really what's happening. And if you watch the sequel, Escape from the Bronx, um, they are getting people moved out of the Bronx. And th- this and this movie, if you watch it, it's filmed in the Bronx and Brooklyn and Roosevelt Island, New York City. So much of what you see is a city in ruin, which is a shame when you realize this is real. This is real. Like this is the city at the end of the 70s, early 80s, before it started to renovate. And that's one of the I don't know. There's um, the setting of New York City throughout the 70s as this grimy, dystopian place. you know, wasteland was real. Like I lived in Brooklyn growing up as a kid. Brooklyn was a, a tough place, and the city, the New York City, was a pretty, pretty rough place in in this. You know, in the early seventies, throughout the seventies, for that matter, and early eighties, it started to, you know, I guess make a turnaround. But there's so many great sleazy, um, you know, movies set in New York City that New York City became. Um, you know, a backdrop for for great uh, genre and exploitation cinema. And this was just one of them that I just loved it. I mean, some of the interiors, they say, was shot in Italy and Rome. Um, but for the most part, this is, you know, this is a movie that looks and feels like it's shot in New York City, where you, you get a, a bunch of, you know, oftentimes you'll hear, oh, the movie is about New York City, and then where is it filmed? Toronto. Right, right. This, I, I think <laughs> you know? I, I think also what it needed was some, some shots of the subways, because New York City in, in the late 70s, early 80s, the subways were 
dystopian. I mean, they were with all the graffiti and stuff, you know, and that's why I mm-hmm. think the the Warriors, uh, they they shot a lot of it in the subways, right? And right. and that showed it. And, and this movie, it was lacking, and that was such a. It needed that that grittiness, like the subways, just really encapsulated. And and I think that was a missed opportunity. Is that they really should have yeah. shot the subways were just a nightmare back then, you know? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, part of the film had to be, um, you know, because I guess of Italian regulations, um, the film had to be, you know, half of the movie had to be shot in Italy, and then you know, budgetary constraints and and everything else, you know, they they. It's not a big budget, so they had to go with what they had. So, and that's what I like about these types of movies and about the movies that we've done ourselves. Um, micro budgets or very low budgets. I mean, you know, we wanted to, to film in in the more robust locations. Where were we? Your your living room, <laughs> yeah, or you know, a bedroom, or we had to you know borrow from you know from Peter to pay Paul to to get them. You know, a location that was, you know, that looked bleak enough and looked gritty enough that, you know, and we found a place and we got lucky that it was cheap enough for our budget. So, you know, you, you make do with what you have. And I, that's what I love about low budget movies or, you know, people call them B movies, but there's... um they don't necessarily have A-list celebrities. Sometimes they have celebrities that are on their way out. You know, and I hate to put it like that, but Vic Morrow wasn't at the top of his game. In fact, Vic Morrow, you know, who was in a ton of stuff. I mean, he he was a famous actor. Um, and not too many people know this, but the actress Jennifer Jason Lee is Vic Morrow's daughter. Um, so, that I means there's... But Vic Morrow was in a lot of... A lot of stuff, even, you know, stuff like the Bad News Bears or um, Dirty, uh, Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry, Police Story. I'm reading through his IMDb just to go through some of the stuff, but he was on Mission Impossible, Ironside. He did a lot of TV, and then earlier on, he, you know, um, he did Westerns and everything else. I mean, he was in a lot of stuff, and unfortunately, he's also known as the that guy that died during the filming of the Twilight, Twilight Zone, Zone film, yeah, yeah, and so he died not not shortly after this movie was made or released in eighty two. He was filming and and you know in nineteen eighty two he was he was killed that year. So it was a real shame, but I do um, like the fact that sometimes these films are, you know, they. I don't know. They wear their influences on their sleeve and sometimes to the point where Enzo Castellari released The Last Shark and Universal Studios pulled the plug on it. They said, you know, you're copyright infringement and that's a great fun movie. And I, if you haven't seen The Last Shark, you really should. I mean, I love Jaws, but it's The Last Shark is such a fun film. And we, we could talk talk all day long about Italian cinema. And maybe we should do a slew of, of Italian um, horror and genre films, which, I, you know, I'm all in on doing something like that because it's just a, a favorite of mine. I've, I've so many uh, Italian directors, um, you know, that I just I just love what they do. And, and ma- mainly because they have such a micro budget that they do so much with with so little um, that I just find it so interesting. But 
anyway, this movie, um, you know, I was already into Mad Max when I saw this film, and I was already into Escape from New York. And so this movie just, you know, like I said, it, 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 for me, it was firing on all the cylinders of things that I love. Is it a perfect film? Absolutely not. Is it, um, it, does it take itself a little seriously? Absolutely. <laughs> but there's so much great scenery chewing going on in this movie from Fred Williamson and from the other actors involved. Um, it's absurd at times, but that's the, it's, it's the absurdity that I enjoy. Yeah. Who I, I think, um, that was one thing that was, uh, Williamson was kind of underutilized, I think, you know? I mean, I don't know, maybe yeah. they didn't have a budget, you know. But, but then again, I mean, he's in the film already, so I figure let him, you know, let him act as much as possible, you know? But because um, <laughs> he was definitely the best part of the film, without a doubt, without a doubt. Oh, but, man, yeah. he's awesome. I mean, I love him in, in just about anything that he's been in, you know, but him as the ogre in um, the Bronx Warriors. I mean, it's just it's he's always fun to watch. I mean, and probably one of my favorite things about um, from Dust Till Dawn, you know, um, everything he's been in, which um, which is like impossible to list them all you know but yeah definitely definitely a highlight of film without a doubt um him and his uh his sidekick uh, with the whip in the middle of the battle she's the witch the witch that's right using her whip you know just uh in the midst of war against these horsemen you know knocking them off their horses and it was uh it was interesting, man. It was definitely uh, interesting. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think... Um, I, I, it's hard to hate a movie like this. It really is, for me. Um, and like I said, you know, it's... Um, you know, Italian, Italian genre cinema, they spent a lot of time parroting what American you know, or Hollywood cinema was doing. And they had to... They had to you know, reach out to an audience, uh, an audience that was already established. And they had to use certain tropes in order to make their money back. And so, you know, the Hollywood wasn't making enough of the movies that I wanted to see, you know. So Walter Hill releases The the Warriors, and I'm like, I want more of, of The Warriors. And, and I wasn't getting it. And then I see movies like this. I'm like, oh, sh you know, shit, this is awesome. Um, and, you know, years later... You you have um, you know a little more understanding about about you know film structure about what you want to see in in a movie, and you know uh, at that point I take it with a grain of salt because you uh, you know they're trying to deliver with um, with you know the tools that they have uh, and they have access to, but I, when I when I see movies like uh, Fulci's The Beyond, yeah or you know, the, the, that movie to me is an epic film. I mean, that's that's one of the greatest horror films that, you know, to this day I watch it again and again. And I have the Blu-ray from Blue Underground. And um, it's just, you know, those, those types of things, they, they have influenced me throughout my life. And so it inf it's informed, you know, the kind of films that I want to see, which, you know, and, and obviously nowadays these movies will never get made. You know, you'd never see this type of film and people look at this like, what the fuck are you watching? 
Like, what is this? You know, and I try to get my son to watch a lot of movies that I'm into. Um, and and some of them he'll be like, Dad, this is awesome. I love Escape from New York and he loves this other stuff. And then I'm watching, you know, um, Escape from the Bronx today because I'm on a kick now. And, and he's like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, sit down, you know. And sit down, son. No, I have a 17-year-old. But <laughs> for the last five years, I've been doing my best to expose him to a lot of the films that I have, you know, been exposed to over, since I was a kid. So I'm like, all right, well, I was 12. Kids are a little more savvy today. Right. Um, but for, you know, for certain kids who don't like horror or, you know, who are used to the, the shiny, glittery um, Marvel films, seeing something like this, it's it's difficult to swallow because, you know, you can say what you want about the Marvel films. Uh, they're not all great, but the acting and it, there's, there's a polish to them that you come to expect in Hollywood productions. Um, and that's some of that is what I dislike about Hollywood. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, and but but you see it, and there's an expectation. Even modern horror, I think, lacks a grittiness and oh, big time. a bleak sensibility. And when you when you have things that are so pretty and everything looks great, all the actors, there's no there's no idiosyncrasies. They all look pretty and they all look perfect. And that's another thing that I like about these types of movies. The ca- the acting is maybe not top notch but the actors have such um they have such a quality to them that lends itself to to seeing to seeing a type of acting that you don't normally get number 1 but you know not everyone's a cookie cutter people had personality to them and they you know it's like you know, you, believe me, you have Charles Bronson movies. You know what to expect when you're going to go see Charles Bronson, you know. But Bronson wasn't a good-looking guy. As a leading man, you know, he was he was a gritty, you know, miserable son of a bitch. Like, you looked at, at Bronson on the screen and you anticipated ass-kicking. Exactly. Know, I mean, he, he, looked he looked like, like. He, exactly, he looked like he'd been beaten up a couple of times. He's, he's, <laughs> he, he wore life on his face, you know? <laughs> I mean, oh, he absolutely, that's a great way to describe it. He did wear his life on his face and he looked like, you know, and, and for all, not many people may know this, but when he was a kid and he was younger, the guy was like a coal miner. I mean, he worked, he worked in, in a mine shaft and he looks like he worked in a mine shaft. Like he looks like he would be breaking rocks with his bare hands. Or with his face, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, that's exactly it. But you don't have actors that do that now. You nah. know, there's no these character actors don't exist. Exactly. And it's a, I think it's yeah. a damn shame. And that's what I miss most about um, genre cinema or exploitation cinema, you know, that grindhouse sensibility is The gone. edginess, the edginess is gone. There's, um, yeah, yeah Quentin Tarantino, a lot of people revile him. There's a lot of people that I know that, you know, shit talk him. Right. Oh, he bites off on these, on, no, he's not biting. That's an homage. Exactly. And the, there's, there's a loving attention to a lot of the films that he's that he's doing and he's he's bringing people you know some notification like hey man these movies existed and we're missing out on a whole generation of filmmakers and actors that just never get the credit they're due and that's really what i love about it right right i think i mean you're definitely right especially when it comes to horror as um 
in you know the 70s and 80s there was there was a real edginess to uh to horror movies you know again not all of them obviously uh, even even those with the low budget it wasn't all of them but there was some uh, there were some of them that there was just this this like a real darkness to them that i i haven't seen in in a long time you know where yeah it it just um you felt like you were almost watching something real like it had the grittiness uh, of life and there was uh, you know, there were certain elements that were unexpected where things would happen. And you're like, oh, damn, well, you know, what am I watching? You know? Yes. A- and that's Whereas, like, yeah. and there were so many types of, of horror right, films right. throughout the 70s and 80s. And I mean, you know, from The Exorcist and we just discussed this the other day, but The Wicker Man, you know, and that type of folk folk tales, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Phantasm, um, Jesus, I mean, you know. I don't know. Even the remake of um, uh, the the body sn- invasion of the body snatchers. It was such an you know such a grim and you know the hills have eyes. I mean, all of these films were dark and gritty and violent. And I just love even a movie like Orca, which is obvious. You know. Uh, but there was such a grimness to it, and it was not a nice, fun film. You know what I mean? And and here's the here's the the thing. When I was a kid, my mom and dad were moviegoers, and and my mom loved horror movies. So that's how I got into horror from my mom. My mom took my sister and I to see Orca in the theater. Wow! And that was a real intense film. Right, right. Um, even films like um, Grizzly. I don't know if you remember uh, Grizzly. I don't remember Grizzly. I remember Day that's of the Jaws I think it was with Day Claws. Of the I think they, right. it was the tagline. It was it was about you right, know, right. a grizzly bear tearing people, you know, campers to pieces. It's basically Jaws on land, and they, we went to see that in the theater. You know, when they re-released Jaws, we saw that. I remember seeing um, Poltergeist. When uh, in the theater when it first came out. So, you know, my my parents, you know, we had that sense. They were like, hey, you know, if you want to see this, that's okay." And I was kind of at least a little more mature for my age. But I I had such a horribly overactive imagination that I was terrified from of movies. They really legitimately scared the crap out of me where I would wake up with nightmares. I couldn't sleep at night. And I would, in the back of my head, say, oh, that, that's a great movie because it scared the crap out of me. I need more of that. You know what I mean? Like, that was my <laughs> twisted sensibility. Like, I needed more of those movies. And if there was a movie that scared me or grossed me out, then I was impressed. And, and that kind of stuff kept me going. Um, so, you know, not to, you know, beat uh, beat this up a little bit, but... Movies like this that that came out and said, "Hey, look what we're look what we're doing." It may seem familiar, and that's okay. But you know, there's more of this where where that came from, you know, and uh, and so they were shameless in it, and that's really um, I liked it because I was like, "Oh shit!" Well, you know, Carpenter's not making Escape from New York Part Two, so let's I need to see 1990 Bronx Warriors. Um, and then, you know, when Carpenter did come out with Escape from New York and did Escape from L.A., I was like, oh, shit, I think I need to go back to 1990 The Bronx Warriors because I really <laughs> disliked that movie so much. And it was yeah. like, it was too shiny. 
It was. It was. And there was I mean, too much CGI in it. I just remember that CGI shark, man. I was like, oh. The ooh. CGI mm. surf when they're surfing. Yes. Uh, the CGI surfing was so fucking uh, terrible. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I can't. I don't even talk mm. about that movie, really, because I pretend it doesn't I exist. I, it's not I in my world. So. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. I mean, I, I know maybe I'm rambling. I'm talking too much about it. But that's one of the reasons why I love, um, you know, these types of grindhouse films. There's, um, you know, it, it, sexual exploitation. There's, you know, maybe it's poor dialogue. But but some of it is so on the nose that I really just I just enjoy it. Um you know, because some of me wants, I, I want to be able to just not give a fuck. I want to write this stuff and come up with my <laughs> own type of really, you know, post-apocalyptic blood and guts type movie and just have so much fun with it. You know, if they were to do a movie like this today, it would just be, it would just be so polished. It, it, it They would miss the point. I mean, that was um, one of the things also, uh, for example, with modern horror movies, um, even when they're on a low budget, I mean, how many times have we seen the same setting of them going into a house? Oh, my God. That's I know. got, you know, Is I mean, it's another like paranormal activity, uh, another ghost, uh, another ghost uh, story, you know, mm, yeah, come on. Let's it's do something. The else. trailers. I mean, even the trailers, I see them and it's always the same shots, man. I'm like, come on. Yeah, they get There's the gotta same three people to cut the same trailers uh, over and over again. There's nothing yeah. on there's nothing unusual or I mean, like right. I said, these other movies weren't necessarily original, but they had some original type spins on tried and true. And we don't even get that anymore. And that, let's not start with you know, the soundtracks, a lot of the soundtracks that I hear on modern film are, you know, uh, cookie cutter and they're, they're similar. You know, they have similar tropes where, you know, a lot of, you know, these older films, again, budgetary constraints. They had people, sometimes the director wrote the film, produced it, did the soundtrack. You know, they they did all of Ran that the stuff wires. they had no other choice. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and some of that really lent itself to be, you know, they were endearing. And then the movie posters took a turn, too, because they used to get, the, you know, some really great lurid artwork. And, yeah. And they had, you yeah. know, this, some of well, them had over the top comic book type, you know, sensibilities. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, that's definitely something I've, I've noticed like now everything's, it's a, you know, photographed, photoshopped, whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, like if but you they don't, skills, you just get a photograph yeah. of the two main actors and slap them on a poster. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just it's, so boring. There's never exactly back then it was all hand painted, you know, oils, all that. Yes. And, and they were really, really good, man. Absolutely. So anyway. I mean, that's part of like what we're trying to do with this podcast. And we're trying to bring some, uh, you know, movies that people may not have seen or movies that you may have heard of. And like Omar, <laughs> you know, has never seen 1990 of the Bronx Warriors. I'm glad that you saw it, even if it's not something that's your cup of tea. I really, I really wanted you to get exposed to this and see some of this stuff, not just because, you know, I'm trying to, um, 
you know, I'm trying to push you into another direction of, of seeing stuff. But this is stuff that I loved. And we've been friends for a long time. And so we talk a lot about different things that, you know, music and movies and, and everything else. But that's kind of what we're trying to do with this podcast is, you know, expose people to things that they have never seen before. And, and who knows? They may take it away and like, holy shit, I need to see everything by Enzo Castellari. I need to see every right, film that right. he's done. Um and now we can. I mean, there's multiple ways of seeing it besides just going in on, onto Amazon, let's say, and just buying 1990 The Bronx Warriors on Blu-ray. You can get that, and I think uh, the double feature, it's that and Escape from the Bronx on a Blu-ray for under 20 bucks. And, uh, and you know, and support, you know, these, these types of films because I really want them to make a comeback. I mean, there's there's not enough of, uh, of you know, low-budget but, you know, kind of slick films. I don't think we're going to see that happen. You know, I, th- I don't think people are going to get that. I mean, we talked about this yesterday with, uh, what is it, Queeby? Oh, God, yeah. Is that how do you pronounce it? Yeah, Quibi? I think so. Quibby, Quibby, yeah. So Quibby um, is kind of a Hollywood version of YouTube video, of, like, low-budget filming on your iPhone, and, you know, people... But but it's not low it's budget. Not low budget. These people have Hollywood type <laughs> budgets, slick budgets, but are right. ten minute, real quick clips, or or quick bites of of um, whatever film that they're talking about, and and it fell flat on its face at a time where you would think that people would be looking towards that. But you know, I don't know. I I really, if it's if it's, people need to support low budget or micro budget cinema there needs to be more of a venue uh and people talking about it and and so i don't know i think i think that's going to be part of my responsibility when we see something if it's old or new but if it's good and it's and it's worth talking about that you're going to hear it on this podcast exactly exactly i mean yeah i would definitely i'm open to watching new you know new low budget films as long as you know if it's got some merit, you know, something, um, you know, to, to really, if it's got something to say, you know, if it's got a, something or it's unique just about entertaining. it, you know. I mean, yeah. there's plenty of yeah, movies exactly. out there that are I mean, just for entertainment right. purposes. And The Rock has made mm. an entire career on, you know, low budget <laughs> sentiment. You know what I mean? Like he's, his movies are not great movies. Um, some of them are fun. And most of them tend to be entertaining because he is fun to watch, I think. But I, I'd like to I like to watch, you know, movies that are entertaining for their own sake. Um, so give me your do your worst, Omar. What how do you rate nineteen ninety, the Bronx Warriors? Ah, uh, oh man, you get a hate, you're hate you. But uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I know, I know. But it's, <laughs> but it's a loving hate. <laughs> Talk to me, Omar. Uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm. If it's lower I, than a two, we're I, gonna I, fight. I'm, I'm giving it. All right, it's it's all a right, two, right, Lenny. Right. It's a two. It all is right. a two. All right. I get you. Yeah. I get you. And what, what are you going to give I it? give it what three and a half it, out of five. I mean, it's not a perfect film, but it's one that I remember fondly, and I watch it again and again. Depending upon, you know, the time of day or, you know, what's going on when I watch it again, I, I, I may be at a four. Um, 
And uh, but right now, I, after watching it again, it was a bit slow in parts. It does drag a bit um, during the uh, the like the end of the second act, the beginning of the third act. This thing um, really kicks up a notch. There's a lot you know, the action sequences at the end of the film. I really enjoy. I love Vic Morrow. Um, you know, at the top of the heap, you know, you screaming out loud. I even like how. He kills Vic Morrow and then ties him, ties the corpse to the uh, to the motorcycle and drags him around the Bronx. When I see that film, he shoots Vic Morrow in the chest with this grappling uh-huh. gun. You know, he fires this grappling hook into Vic Morrow's yeah, chest. Yeah. And and then he ties him to the bike. And when he's dragging him f- behind the motorcycle, the the um, grappling hook is speared through his back. And he's dragging him around from his back. So I'm like, ah, come on. You guys couldn't couldn't have done a little bit better. But that's what that always cracked me up. And it still does. Um, But yeah, I'm going to today, 1990, the Bronx Warriors, Enzo Castellari, Dardano Sacchetti. Probably one of uh, one of my most fun uh, post-apocalyptic films. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy it, too. Omar, you got any last words, you know, to uh, to bring us out? Well, um, let's uh, again mention our uh, good buddy Cooch. You got the info? Well, I, of course, I always do. So a uh, Cooch is all right because I'm, I'm right. forgetful. So Cooch is with um, Web Vantage, and he's a huge partner of ours. Web Vantage LLC. You can check them out. Their website is webvantage.us. And uh, check them out. I mean, he does everything, website building, hosting, um, e-commerce. He has great input. He's um, provided um, websites for the likes of D. Snyder and other metal bands. He's gone on tour with them. He was a, um, the pr- a producer and manager. He's a great guy. I've known him for basically my entire life uh cooch is a great guy and uh he works with his clients like nobody else and helps you tailor your your site to your needs and your business's needs so check them out webvantage llc webvantage.us check them out i highly recommend them also there's another thing that i wanted to let everybody know i've i've been a contributing writer to midnight magazine for a few years now since they started actually and uh eric wright has done a great job with this with this zine basically um and anyone who's not familiar with the term it's a a, a fanzine and a, it's a horror uh and genre magazine no surprise there and they've done a great job and i've been a contributing editor edit not editor excuse me contributing writer for midnight magazine uh we're on issue number six now and going strong it's a great magazine we talk about horror films we have some uh original horror short stories we talk about uh well i write the audio phobia article for midnight magazine every month and it's a recurring theme where i discuss horror and genre films uh and their soundtracks and uh so give them a chance you know check them out online we'll leave a, a link on our website uh, and link our partners so this way you guys can uh, check them out i highly recommend them they're great guys and uh, if you're into the stuff that we're into and most likely you are if you're listening to this you should check them both out so uh yeah 
I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about, um, you know, and Omar poo-pooing on 1990 The Bronx Warriors. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely a favorite. And I uh, hope to talk to you guys soon. All right. Rock and roll, everyone. Poo-poo. Thank you.